Hello. Well, welcome to Red Rocks Church. How you feeling? You sound good. I don't know how you're doing everywhere else, but they're doing good here, except we've got a Chiefs shirt on the front row. So there is prayer right over here to the side. Before you leave, you can be delivered of that. Um, Hey, welcome all of our campuses. What's up, Littleton, Lakewood, Evergreen, Arvada, both God Behind Bars campuses. We love you so much. We're so proud of you. We're glad you're with us. And Brussels, Belgium, we love you guys. Um, And we're glad that you're with us today as well. If you are a first-time visitor, uh, no matter what location you're visiting at, or maybe you're tuning in online or in the gym, at home, in the car, wherever you're at, if you're, if you're here at one of our seven locations, though, here's what we hope you've already felt is uh, welcomed. Um, look, here's, here's what we know is that we're not perfect. And truth be told, we don't have the energy to pretend that we are. Okay? Uh, we don't have all the answers. We're not going to pretend that we do. We're, we're broken people living in a broken world just like you guys. We're just broken differently. And we come here every weekend and we pursue and get to spend time in the presence of a perfect God. And so that's why we're here. And so no matter what's going on in your life, um, I want you to know that we've already prayed for you before you showed up. We were praying that you would come. Um, Our goal is that you would feel welcomed and loved and valued here. And so from the bottom of our hearts to every first time visitor, um, welcome home and welcome to Red Rocks Church. So... We're in this teaching series called Fearless. And I started talking about this last week, how you ever notice when you get around somebody who's just like fearless, like every now and then you look at them and you're like, oh, you're not right in the head. You know what I mean? But, but there's also part of you that kind of goes, I wish I was more like that. You ever have that feeling like you're not right in the head. You're probably not going to live long. I'm a little jealous. You know, it's weird, but it's true, isn't it? Um, and it's because we were, we were created to live fearless. You know that, right? We weren't created to live fearful. We were created to live fearless. The Bible says we were not given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And it's why when we watch people walk through really tough situations, but they walk through with this confidence, especially when we see people talking about like, I just trust God and I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know he's with me and I know he's got me. And they just like go through stuff and we kind of back up and we're like, I don't know how they do that. I don't know if I could do that, but I want to be like that. We watch people who sort of fearlessly chase down the calling that, that God has on their life. And we feel that same thing. I don't know if I could do that, but I want to be like that. Isn't that right? I want it to rub off on me. We want to be around people who live fearlessly. And it's because I believe, like I said, that's how we were created to live. Our theme verse for this series, if you were here last week, you know, is Joshua 1.9. God's talking to Joshua and he's calling him really to something that's crazy. He's calling him to walk through something that doesn't seem possible. He's calling him to take the entire nation of Israel across the Jordan River at flood season, which is impossible, can't be done. And the truth is, we know what it feels like to be in situations that just feel impossible, that feel like we can't make it, that feel like we can't get to the other side. And I believe God would say the same thing to us today that he says to Joshua. And so as we go through the word today, um, I I want you guys to not just read it, but let God speak to you about your life through it. No matter what you're going through, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. 
Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's a promise for Joshua. That's a promise for us. Now, if you were here last week, I told you guys, bring your Bibles. I know we don't bring them to church all that often anymore. And the truth is, is because we kind of don't have to, right? Because the words are always up on the screens and we try to make it very easy. Um, but I asked you to bring them. So how many of you brought them this week? Hold them up if you got your Bible. Oh, look at you. Make some noise if you got your Bible. I see some of your Bibles glowing. That's perfectly fine. Um, I'm going to, the reason I asked you to bring one of these this week is because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through what it looks like to, to really dive into God's word today and go, God, I'm not just going to skim through this stuff. I want you to speak to me. And so if you have a paper Bible with you, flip open to Joshua chapter one, and we're going to get this page messy. If you have a Bible that was glowing when you held it up, that's perfectly fine. You take this, take what we're going to do with a pen. There should be pens underneath your seats if you don't already have one. Um, what we're going to do with a pen and paper, you can also do on your, you know, on the app. Uh, you can highlight verses, you can underline stuff, you can bookmark it, come back to it later, tweet it, post it, the whole thing. I like... What I'm about to show you, I like doing it in one of these, and you'll see why here in a minute, because for me, it's just easier to come back and see what I wrote last time, and I love doing that, because this book is alive, and it's active, and it speaks to us on a daily basis, and so that's why I asked you to bring it, and, and look, I know that um, it's not, it's not earth-shattering earth news that like a pastor is going to say, hey, you ought to read your Bible, right? Like that's not surprising anyone that I'm going to talk about this. Whether this is your first time in church or you've been in church 10,000 times, you're like, okay, doesn't shock me, right? And, but here's why I want to get into this today. There's this phrase that I want you to take home with you, and it's what we're going to talk about today. Go ahead and put that phrase up there. Fearless is possible when God's word is foundational, would you say that with me? Fearless is possible when God's word is foundational. See, and I think that's so important because the truth is, just like Joshua, God's going to call every single one of us to pursue the calling he has on our life and to walk forward and to walk in it. There are going to be many times in life when we have to flat out step out in fear. We have to take risks and steps of faith. And sometimes we feel afraid, right? That verse where he, God was telling Joshua, don't feel afraid. We got into that last week, but I don't believe he was prohibiting him from having emotions. He wasn't saying you're not allowed to feel nervous. You're not allowed to feel uncertain. I mean, he's asking him to do something that's impossible. More than that, what he's saying is don't run away. Don't walk away. Don't let your feelings of nervousness keep you from walking through the opportunity I'm putting in front of you. You can feel afraid, but you can walk forward in faith at the same time. And so knowing that God's going to call us to things that are going to require us to step out into some fears every now and then, here's what we know. Fearless is possible when God's word is foundational. So that's the phrase I want you to take home with you now. As soon as I say that, because I've been saying it for a long time and, and I've been listening to, to people say it for a long time, we get some questions that sort of pop up in our mind when we hear people talk to us about the Bible. I know this because I'm with you. I'm one of you. I feel the same things at times. And I hear a lot, three questions in particular, I hear a lot when I encourage people to start spending some daily time in the Word of God. 
And I hear things like this. Number one is like, and, and I know you've felt this, where do I start? Right? I mean, my gosh, where do I start? And it's not necessarily like what page number. Oftentimes it's like, I don't even know how to begin tackling this thing. I've talked to people who would say, I've literally grown up in church. Like I've been in a church since I was, before I was walking. And, and, and they're like, but now I like, I'm, I'm to this point in life when I want to start getting real serious about the Bible. And then they'll kind of be like, where do I start? We get that feeling, don't we? Where do I start? What's the point? And can I trust it? Where do I start? What's the point? Like I'm super busy in life and I don't know. I, I tried it before. It didn't seem to do that much. I don't have time to waste on something that just sounds religious or sounds like a good thing to talk about in church or whatever. Like I don't have time. So where do I start? What's the point? We feel that. And can I trust it? We're going to talk about the last one next week. So talk about a good opportunity to bring somebody to church with you for the first time. Next week, we're going to talk about how we know we can trust that the Bible is inspired and from God. What a good opportunity to bring somebody with you. But today we're going to cover the first two or at least address them. Where do I start and what's the point? I did something this week uh, because Chad told me to. I can't tell you how many bad decisions in my life have started out with that phrase. <clears throat> He's like, hey, you should go, you should do this workout that I've been doing at this new place. And I'm like, okay, well, what is it? He's like, man, it's kind of like an Orange Theory kind of thing, if you know what that is. Um, but you'll burn like a thousand calories. You're going to love it. I'm like, I'm in. Let's go. So, so I go to class and... Um, I'll, I'll make up names to protect the innocent. Um, I go to class and Janet um, straps a heart monitor on me. And she's like, you need a heart monitor. I'm like, why do I need a heart monitor, Janet? And she's like, well, because your name is going to be up on the TV. And I look into the room and there's all these TV screens. And when you put the heart rate monitor on, it's like this unbelievable accountability system that they have hardwired into this workout place. And it puts your name up on the TV. And it was so funny because true story. She's like, now, um, what are your fitness goals? And I was like, I swear I said this. I was like, um, to be less fat? I don't, that's, that's, and she's like, hmm, okay. And I'm not kidding. She goes, it's good to have goals. Um, <laughs> and so I get the heart rate monitor and now we're in this accountability system. And, and it doesn't just say Sean on the TV. It says Sean J, just to make sure in case there's any other Sean's that we're very accountable. And it says like, it shows your, uh, shows how many calories you've burned. It shows your heart rate. And, um, and then, and then your name is got a, got a colored box around it. And it shows that the color of the box, uh, sort of represents your effort. Okay. So, so it goes, and I don't remember the colors exactly. Um, because I haven't been back, but um, <laughs> it's, like, it's like baby blue, right, is like where I started, and it was kind of like, I don't know what it really meant, but what I took from it was like, your effort is sort of like a sleeping infant. You know what I mean? Like, that's about the amount of, and then it went all the way up to red, where it's like, my gosh, we all want to be you. You know what I mean? Like, look at this Olympic athlete in the red, okay? And so Janet's got me hardwired in with the monitor, and there's treadmills, there's uh, rowing machines, and then there's this little workout 
place and they destroy you for an hour, all right? That's what they do. And, and, and Rick, Rick has got a headset and Rick yells at you the whole time you're working out. And he's in your ear and he's like, don't you stop. I thought you wanted to get less fat. Let's go, right? And so Rick's yelling orders. Janet's watching through the mirror. Everybody in the gym can see my effort. And all of a sudden I hear Rick going, well, look at Kelly C. Kelly C's moving into the red. I sure wish everybody else would move into the red. Let's go. Look at Kelly C. I'm on the treadmill next to Kelly C, okay? She's in the red. I'm still at infant stage, light blue. He goes, put your treadmills up to 30% incline. 30%. It's like running up the side of the building out here. 30% incline. I'm dying. Sweat's in my eyes. I'm dying. I'm trying so hard. I'm looking at her, and she's just like a little deer. Like, you and I'm just trying so hard. And pretty soon I start holding on to the handles. And I'm like, I'm embarrassed because Kelly sees like a fawn next to me. Is that what you call it? And I'm holding on to the handles because I'm thinking like I played it out in my mind. What's more embarrassing, holding on to the handles or falling off the treadmill? So I'm holding on to the handles. And guys, I'm not kidding. An hour goes by. And I'm like, I am going to need a paramedic. And I, I, I hit end. And it takes like 20 minutes for my treadmill to come down from 30% incline. I get off the treadmill. I'm not even kidding, guys. I'm like, I'm like oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I couldn't walk, I'm like, I know I pulled a hamstring, I think a calf muscle fell off, like I, I'm going to have to Uber, I can't lift my arms, like I don't know what to do, okay, and Kelly C just couldn't be happier, you know what I mean, good for Kelly C, and Janet's judging, and the whole thing's going bad, and here's the kicker. I look up at the TV monitor. I'm still light baby blue. And it says, calories burned, zero. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I need to talk to management right now. <laughs> and Chad, right now. And Janet's like, oh, my, I don't know if your heart monitor was working properly. I'm like, you think, Janet? <laughs> because if I just went through all that and burned zero calories, <laughs> we got problems. What's the point? And the truth is, transition from Janet to the Bible, and Rick and Kelly C and the whole clan. The truth is, that's how some of you feel about the Bible. What's the point? I tried it, and I'm busy. And I tried it, and I read it for like a week. My family member didn't get healed, my job didn't change. My situation's still as bad as it was. And the truth is, we don't like to admit it at church, but we kind of look at something like reading the Bible and studying the Bible. And What's the point? Because if, if I'm doing all that and burning zero calories, right? And, and that's how we feel. And so I want to address that today. So the first thing I want to do is, if, you, if you're on your phone, then you do this however works best for you. But if you've got a paper Bible with you, I want you to take the pen, and out there in the margin, we're going to start messing this thing up already. Out there in the margin, I want you to write down one or two words that would represent some of your bigger worries in life right now. So maybe for you in the margin, you put a dollar sign, or you put marriage, or job or sick, lonely, whatever it is, put that out there. And here's what I believe is I believe that as we get into the creator of the universe's word, I believe he's going to speak to us about the very thing that you're writing down right now. 
Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna start reading. I'm gonna start reading and then we get to a certain place. I'm gonna ask you to first, on the first section we're gonna go through, we're gonna make some underlines. And the underline means, here's what, here's what the underlining represents. The underlining right now, and again, if you're on an app, you color code however works best for you. For us with pins, the underlining is this. What's God saying? That's what it means. What's God saying? All right, you ready? Hit your neighbor, say you ready? All right, let's go. Joshua 1, 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready. I'm calling you to impossible. Get ready. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. We talked about that last week. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. Now, here's where I want you to start underlining. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Underline that. I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Underline that. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it. We're going to come back to that. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Underline that. And listen, we're not just reading stuff. We're letting God speak to us about our life through his word. So let him speak to you no matter what you're dealing with right now. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So the things that we underlined, and, and I, don't, I didn't put highlighters under the chairs, truth be told, because I didn't think of this in time. And I looked at Rachel Friday and said, you think we could get about 15,000 highlighters today? <laughs> and she about killed me. So I said, hey, we're cool with just the pen. But the truth is, this is a pretty good exercise for us because my wife steals the highlighters in our house every day. So I usually have to just use the pen anyways. So remember, the underline is, God, what are you saying? Well, let's go through what we just underlined real quick. He said, he said I will be with you. Well, guys, this is huge. I mean, for some of you, this may be the only reason God wanted you to be a part of this message. He wants you to be reminded he's with you. Because, see, he knows that sometimes situations don't work out the way we hoped and things happen that we didn't want and we have to deal with things we didn't want to deal with. And, and what happens sometimes is we start thinking nobody really understands. Nobody really feels this. Nobody really knows what I'm going through. I am alone. Nobody else is with me on this. They think they are, but they don't know. 
And then we start to feel like God's like a million miles away and maybe God's not even paying attention and maybe God doesn't care and maybe that's why I'm in this situation. And I believe the creator of the universe wanted to say to some of you today, I know exactly what you're going through. I'm working in your life even when you can't see it and you can't feel it and you don't understand it and I'm right here with you. You are not alone. That's what he's saying. He says, I'll never leave you. We underline that. No matter how far you go, no matter how far you run, no matter how many times you try to quit a job and start a whole new life and try to pretend that part didn't happen, move to a different city, try to pretend that part didn't happen, walk away from God, ignore the urges to reconnect with the Father. He says, no matter how far you run, no matter how long it's been, you couldn't get rid of me and my love if you tried. He says, I'm with you and you can't get rid of me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving. I'll be with you in the tough times. If everybody else walks out, I won't. God says, I'm with you and I'm not going anywhere. He says, I'll never forsake you. We underline that. That means I'll never quit on you. I'll never walk away. I'll never give up. I believe God would say to some of you right now, you may have given up on yourself. But son, daughter, I have not given up on you. I know the potential I've put inside of you. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Somebody, they might have given up on you and they may have given up on you and you may be tempted to give up on yourself, but the creator of the universe says to you today, I haven't given up on you. I know what's inside of you. I'm with you. I won't leave you and I won't give up on you. What's he saying? He's saying, Joshua, you will be prosperous and successful. I know it doesn't feel like it, but you will flourish. You are favorable. You have my favor. That's what he's telling Joshua. You have my favor on your life. Don't you dare walk away right now. Don't you dare give up right now. You've got my favor. Don't ever forget who you are. 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins... He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And we talked about this a little bit last week. But when we confess our sins to God, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he died on the cross to pay for our sins, when we confess our sins, we're forgiven instantaneously and we are made perfectly righteous in God's sight. That word righteous means in right standing with God. Not because we earn it, not because we're good enough, not because we deserve it. That would never be the case. We know that. Because Jesus paid it for us. We get to be made perfectly righteous in God's sight. Well, this is why this is so important. Listen to what Psalm 5 says about those who are made righteous in God's sight. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. Listen. You cover him with favor as with a shield. See what God's saying to Joshua? You're on this side of the river and you've been looking over there. You've been wanting to be over there. I'm about to take you over there. Here's what you need to know. Because at some point you're going to have to step into some fears to receive what I have in store for you. You're going to have to step into the unknown and it's going to feel a little scary. And that's okay. You remember what I'm promising you. I'm with you. I won't leave you. I won't give up on you. And you've got my favor on you. You pick up my favor like a shield. And you say, I might feel afraid, but I'll walk forward in the calling God has for me. Because I know he's with me and I know he's not going anywhere. And I know he won't give up on me. And I got the favor of God like a shield. I'll walk forward in faith. 
That's what it looks like to walk forward fearless because the word of God is our foundation. All Joshua had to go on was God's word. And sometimes all we'll have to go on is God's word, but we can walk forward fearless when God's word is our foundation. So we underline some things and that's what's God saying. So the next thing I like to do when I'm, when I'm really going, okay, God, I want to hear from you. Is the next thing I'll do is I'll start making some circles. What's that mean for me? What's that mean for us? Right? So this next section, we're going to reread verse 9, and I want you to make some circles. Have I not commanded you? This is what it means for us. It means you can be strong and courageous. Circle that. In the midst of what you're going through, no matter what you're going through, do not be afraid. Circle that. Do not be discouraged. Circle that. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What's it mean for me? It means that I can be in a life situation, which some of you are in right now, and where everything feels like it's spinning so fast out of control, you have no idea where things are going to land. You have no idea how this thing's going to play out. You, you know God's got something in store for you, but you can't figure out what it is. And sometimes when we think we've figured out what it is, we have no idea how it could ever work out. And it's in those moments when I can go, well, what's he saying? Like, that's awesome. I love that. But now I'm going to circle some things. What's that mean for me? It means I can stand in the middle of a tornado. I can stand in the middle of a storm. I can stand in the middle of a really tough time. And I can actually live unafraid. I can be strong. I can be courageous. I can be unafraid. I don't have to be discouraged because I can pick up that shield and I can remember he's with me and he hasn't given up on me. And I pick up that shield and I remind myself I have the favor of God Almighty with me. I'll walk forward in faith even though I feel afraid. See, it's different when we start digging in and going, God, I'm going to get, get everything else out of the way for a second, and I'm going to really spend some time. Just one verse, one chapter, one section. God, what are you saying? But then what's that mean for me? And the last thing I like to do is, and then a lot of times I'll use boxes or squares or rectangles, and I'll go, okay, how do I live it? That's the three questions I want to ask if I'm going to meditate on the scripture, right? Because I read that and I think like, do I need to sit in my living room like with my legs folded and get a bunch of candles? Like, I don't know what to do here, you know? For me, this is what it looks like. I'm gonna just get out the word and however much I'm gonna go through, one verse, one chapter, one section. God, what are you saying? What's that mean for me? And then how do I live it? How do I go do what you're talking about? Let's, let's zoom in on seven and eight. We already read it. But this is what God's saying, Joshua, go do. This is what I want you to start doing if you want to experience where I want to take you. Be strong and very courageous. What do I do? Box this. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. He's talking about the first parts of our Bible. Do not turn from it. Put a rectangle around that. To the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Put a box around this. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it. Day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. 
What do you say and what's that mean? And now how do I go live that? And God says, Joshua, here's where I want you to start. You're here and I want to take you there, but I'm trying to build you up here. So I need you to start living your life with my word as your foundation. I need you to start prioritizing my word differently than you have. I want you to listen to it. I want you to talk about it. I want you to pass it on. I want you to meditate on it. I want you to obey it. I want you to live it. Take my word, reprioritize it, make it your foundation, Joshua. Because where I'm taking you, you're going to have to step out in fear at some point. And fearless is possible if and only if for you, my word is your foundation. That's what he's saying. And I believe he would say the exact same thing to us today. I want to take you somewhere that you haven't been before. But I need you to start making the word the foundation. Jesus said it like this, Matthew 7, verses 24 and 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, who actually takes the word and then says, how can I live it, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Jesus said it's about your foundation. Because until heaven, this world is broken and storms will come. But you don't have to let it wreck you. That's what he's saying. It doesn't have to cause you to walk away from everything. It doesn't have to cause you to give up. It doesn't have to cause you to cave in. Storms are going to come. But he said, when you remember the promises from my word, when that's your foundation, not the storm, not what you see, but what you know I've promised you, that I'm with you, that I got you, that I'm not going anywhere, that I believe in you, that you've got my favor on you like a shield. In the middle of a storm, you can stand strong, stand courageous, unafraid, not discouraged, because you've made my word the foundation of your life. It changes things. What's the point? God says, I want to take you somewhere that you haven't been yet, but I got to build you up. And it starts with the foundation. And so to, to show you what I, what, I, what I like to do, we've walked through this exercise. And now I want to show you what it actually looks like in, in, in my Bible. And, and I picked this up this week and I was starting to study Joshua. And I had this fancy dancy little bookmark that apparently Bibles have just cornered the market on. And... Um, it just sort of opened up. And it opened up to, to this. I don't know if you can see it there. That's fair. Oh, there. Oh, Carson took a picture of it. He's like, we can't see it on the camera. I'm taking a picture. And, and he's like, you got to show the church this because that's a mess. And, and you know what I said? I said, well, my Bible's a mess and my life won't be. <laughs> that's a pastor joke right there. <laughs> Uh, my Bible's messy, but my life isn't. <laughs> no, I've managed to, to mess up both somehow. Um, but I, I did want to show you what it looks like for me because here's what happened. And here's why I wanted you to bring your Bible and I wanted you to write and I wanted you to mess it all up. Because this book is alive and active and because it speaks to us every time we give God the chance to speak to us through it. Every time I come back to the pages that I've messed up. God speaks to me all over again and reminds me about things that he's already showed me that I so easily forget. So let me show you what I mean. So put that picture back up. Up there in the upper left, I don't know if you can read it, but I'll read it to you. In red, it says, 
Church is not here for us. We are the church, and we are here for the world. And underneath it, you see, it says, um, rejoice with me. And then I made a line that says party. And then the next paragraph down, it says, rejoice with me. And I made a line that says party. And, and um, you can take that off. But I'll explain to you what was going on in, in my chaos. Is I started a lost son, lost sheep, lost coin. And every time they're found, there's a party. And I started to get this, like, it's not about who was already there. It was always about who wasn't there yet. And I started thinking about the church, and God started speaking to me about our church. And as one of your pastors, my job is to make sure I can't let this happen. I can't come to church and make it about me. I can't let you do this, at least, and be comfortable with it. I can't, we can't make this place about what can I get when I get there. This is not a Christian country club. This is a hospital for sinners, and we got to keep it about what it's supposed to be about. So it can't be me driving to church on the weeks I don't speak, and you driving to church going, well, I hope, they, I, hope I like the music, and I hope I like the message, and I better get a good seat, and I better get a good spot, and how come they don't do life groups for my age and my demographic and my neighborhood, and that's not how they did it at my last church. I can't let you do that because we get so much sideways energy. We forget what we're here for. Listen. The church is not here for us. We are the church, and we're here for the world. That's who we are, church. And I was so fired up about that, just opening my book accidentally to Luke 15, because I spend a lot of time in Luke 15, because it's it's, it describes who we are as a family. Put that picture up again. Down in the very bottom left, you probably won't be able to read it. It says, Jill, I bet God was crying with you. And then there's a line up to that line in the scripture that says, filled with compassion. I had a conversation with Jill when we were engaged. And she knew about my past. And if this is your church, you do too. And like a bunch of you, I have a messy past. And I had become hopeless and drug abusing and, and suicidal and like the whole thing. And I went through this whole phase of life where I was just a wreck. And I did a lot of crying. And the truth is, a lot of crying, even to God, even though I wasn't like following him uh, in any way, shape, or form, I would do the Hail Mary passes that we do when like, I don't know what else to do, so God, if you're real help, you know those. And I, was, and I just cried all the time. And, and I was talking to my wife about this season of life, and I remember, I, or she was my fiance at the time, I said, I said, I bet God was laughing that whole time because he knew how things were going to turn out. He knew that I was going to experience him and give my life to him and start this internship. And I think I'm going to be a pastor and this is crazy. And I went into a small group and met you and now we're getting married. And like my whole life is turned around. And I was talking to Jill and I said, I bet he was, I bet he was laughing that whole time. You know, I kind of picture God oftentimes like up in heaven, like looking down at me and kind of like, <laughs> guys, Check this out. Oh, I love him. He's not one of the brighter ones, is he? But I love him. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I was like, I bet he was just laughing the whole time. He knew it was going to turn out. And, and my wife, because she's so much smarter than me, she said, she goes, no. She goes, I bet he was, I bet he was crying with you. And, and, and 
I saw the line in the story one day. Um, I just noticed it and I circled it one time when I was reading it because it talks about this prodigal son whose life was a wreck and he'd never been worse off and he comes home and everything's fallen apart and he's humiliated and filled with guilt and shame like we feel sometimes and his father comes running to him with compassion. And, and it was like God jarred my memory. Remember what Jill told you? See how this father acts? He said, no, I was never laughing. So I was crying with you the whole time. And some of you need to know that. Yeah, God has a plan for you, but he's also with you right now. And when you hurt, he hurts. He's a father filled with compassion. And when you cry, he cries. When you struggle, he struggles. Even though he knows the plans he has for you, your God cares about what you're going through right now. And I was reminded of that from just flipping my Bible open because I got it messy before. And like, I'm not saying like, be spiritual like me with your Bible. I'm a disaster some days. And you guys know that if this is your church. I'm just telling you, I think it works. And I think God's plan for us is to step fearlessly into what he has for us. And every now and then, it's gonna be scary. But see, fearless is possible when God's word is foundational. Put that picture up one last time. In the bottom right-hand corner, it says, distance took time, forgiveness was instant. And what I made a bunch of circles and squares up at the top of that page is when the son came home. Because I picture the son, and you know, the story tells us it took a lot of time for him to distance himself from the father. And he made a lot of bad decisions, and life fell apart in a whole bunch of ways. And then he decides, I need the father, and he decides, I'll go back, and I'll, I'll, I'll become a servant. I'll become a slave. I'll try to earn my way back into his life. And here comes this father running with compassion, and he goes, no, 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 you don't earn anything. You've just got my love because you're my child. He goes, right now, get the ring, get the robe, get the sandals. We're throwing a party. It took a lot of time to distance himself from the father, but reinstatement was instantaneous. Forgiveness is instantaneous, church. And for some of you, you may have spent years of your life distancing yourself from the father. And I want to tell you, you can change that in an instant tonight. Forgiveness is instantaneous. And I was reminded of that from just writing in the Bible one day. I want to challenge you to start making your Bible a little messy and ask those three questions. God, I want to hear from you today. So, so what are you saying? And what does that mean for me? And how do I now go live it? That's how we turn this into the foundation of our lives. And fearless is possible when this is foundational. So where do you start? That little exercise that we just did. What page? Wherever you want. Start with Joshua. We're in a series on Joshua. It'd probably be fun. Start with one of the Gospels, the stories about Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, wherever you want, but just start and say, God, I'm getting in your word. Speak with me and, and watch what he'll do. And what's the point? I'll say the point is huge. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God says, I'm trying to use my word to equip you, to strengthen you, to build up your faith, to build up your courage, because you're on this side of the river, and I want to take you on that side of the river. But you've got some equipping that needs to happen. I need you stronger. 
Talked about it last week, didn't we? I need you more courageous. I need you to trust me. I'm preparing you for what I have in store. Let my word be your foundation. It will equip you for what I have in store for you on the other side. Because it's going to get scary. And that's okay because fearless is possible when God's word is foundational. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you're right here with us. That you care for every single one of us. That you'll never leave us or forsake us that you have a plan and a purpose for us. And I pray, God, that we would be encouraged. No matter what people are going through right now, I pray that weights would be lifted off their shoulders. They would start to experience peace and joy and a sense of strength and confidence and courage welling up inside of them, knowing that the God of the universe is walking with them. With everyone's eyes closed at all locations, I want to ask two questions. The first one is this. You already have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have for a long time. But you're in a season right now, and you just know, like, I need to hear from God. I need to be led by God. I got to make some decisions. I need God in the middle of this. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? You just say, God, I need to hear from you right now in my life. We're going to agree together that that's going to begin to happen as we get into his word, hands all over the place. The second question is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, but you can feel it in your heart right now. You know this is my moment. I need to take him up on this gift of eternal life. I just know it. I can feel God drawing me towards him. This is my time. I need to confess my sins, make him my Lord. And Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to start a relationship with you, not only so you, your spirit is in me and I, I get to have you involved in the here and now, but because I want heaven forever. If that's you, at every single location you go, I just know it. This is my moment. Right now, raise your hand. I'm going to say a prayer for you. Raise them up high. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Raise them up, Brussels. At God behind bars, raise them up. Respond. The best decision you will ever make. God, I thank you that your presence is right here with us, that you're speaking to us. I pray for every person who raised their hand that you would begin speaking in a way that they just haven't even experienced before, that you would begin guiding and leading and encouraging and equipping in a brand new way. And God, I pray that, I pray that as we begin to take your word more serious, that it would just become so alive to us, so exciting, so fun to hear from our God about our lives. And I thank you right now. God, I thank you that heaven's being made more crowded right this second, that eternities are changing right now. In Jesus' name, we love you and we thank you. And everybody said amen, amen. at all campuses. Let's stand up and let's worship.